Man, how are you guys tonight? Everybody good? Yes. One screaming crazy person. Man, I feel like, I don't know about you guys, that was some incredible worship. Can we just thank the band? We probably could just pack up now, go to small groups, and and be all the better for it. So, um, good stuff tonight. Well, we are glad you guys are here, Um, and it's good to be in a packed room, isn't it? This is a good thing, yeah? Some of you guys feel that way. Um, I love it. I see some unfamiliar faces, which is great, and uh, in case you guys don't know, my name's Todd. I'm the high school pastor here, and um, so we're glad you guys are here tonight, and and you've come at a key week, and uh, I'm glad you guys are here because we are finishing up our series that we've been in called On the Move, and... um, over the last three weeks, what we've been talking about this whole, over the course of the series is about the fact that God is on the move, that God is working, God is moving, God is up to something incredible. And, um, and I get that sense that that's happening um, and just seeing what, what God's already been doing last week as we started our small groups and, um, God, and just the, the presence in the room tonight, um, just believing that God is up to something incredible. And, and the cool thing is about this is that he allows us to be a part of it. That we don't have to watch from a distance, but you and I get to jump in and be a part of that too, and how incredible that is. And so over the last three weeks, we talked about how we get a chance to do that, the ways that we can jump in and be a part of it. And so the first week uh, that we were up here, we talked about pursuing God. We talked about making everything about Jesus and pursuing God like we never have before. And if we wanna be a part of this movement, if we wanna jump in with God and be on the move to bring about hope and healing to other people and to experience that in our own life, then we've gotta jump in and pursue God. And we've gotta make that the priority. And two weeks ago, we talked about the importance of building authentic community. And, um, and talked about you know, that all of us, we crave the need to belong that we all wanna feel like we, we have value, that we matter, we have importance. And for us here, one of the major ways that we do that and try to communicate that is through our small groups. But for us to be on the move together and for everybody that walks through those doors or walks into your small group, that they feel loved, they feel valued, doesn't matter where they've been or what school they go to, that we don't draw all these kind of lines or boundaries or, or make these walls in between us, but we are unified by who, because of who God is and what he's done in us. And then last week we talked about having God's heart for the lost, that we've got to be able to model Jesus' heart for the people that are far from him. And, um, and we kind of try to paint that contrast between Jesus' heart and the Pharisees' heart, or the religious people, and how sometimes you and I are more guilty of looking down our nose in judgment of other people, especially those who, who don't have a relationship with Jesus, rather than modeling what Jesus modeled and the way Jesus lived, and having a heart for those people, and going after those people who desperately need to understand that God loves them. So that's what we talked about last week. Now tonight we're going to finish up by taking what we talked about last week and kind of taking it to the next, um, kind of the next place. And that is, for, maybe for a lot of you guys, you felt as you walked out of the room last week, maybe for a lot of us, we've got the heart for the lost, Maybe we're passionate about reaching people. Maybe we, we walk through the halls of our school campus or we know people that we interact with on a daily basis that don't have a relationship with Jesus. And God has burdened our heart for those people. God has, has given us a desire to see them come to faith in Jesus. But maybe we walked out of the room going, I want to do that, but I don't know how. 
when it comes to actually going about sharing my faith or being able to reach those people who are far from God, I have no idea what to do about that. I've got the heart for it, but I don't know what to do next. Um, a couple weeks ago, my, uh, I was hanging out at the house. It was a Friday, and uh, our kids had just gotten home from school, and they're seven, five, and three. And so we've got this neighbor kid who's in fifth grade, lives across the street from us, and he's a cool kid. But he literally every day after school, he drops his stuff off inside, and I think mom and dad work late or whatever, and so he's the only one home, so he comes across the street and he hangs out with, with our kids. Um, and the kids think he's awesome, even though there's a big age difference there. I mean, he, they love hanging out with him. And so a couple weeks ago, uh, I was hanging out upstairs in the living room, and the kids were downstairs with this kid named Briley in the basement. And, uh, and all of a sudden, they came running up the steps with him, and, um, and Carson, our seven-year-old, was like, Dad... Dad, we were just talking to Briley, and he wants to ask Jesus into his heart. And, um, and so it was funny, because I look over at Briley, and he's sitting there in the chair, and he's got this look on his face like, I do? I didn't know that. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, he's got, got this, I don't really know what to say about that. That was weird. And so then I look back at Carson, and, and my seven-year-old daughter has got this look on her face like, <laughs> like, tell him. Tell him, Dad. And they're like, you're the pastor, you know what to do. You know what to say. I brought him up here. What else do you want me to do? And she kind of, you know, almost was like, you better do this or you're going to mess this whole thing up. And so I got permission from my seven-year-old with her eyes. And then for the next few minutes, just spent, spent a few minutes talking to this kid across the street about what it meant to, you know, to trust Jesus and why that was such a big deal and why that was important and had a great conversation. But I look back on that situation and I think that the way that my kids handle it a lot of times are the ways that maybe some of us handle it. In other words, like we've got, we love Jesus. We're passionate about God. We want other people to experience what we've experienced. But we don't really know how to kind of articulate the gospel or how to share the gospel. We don't really know what to say. Or maybe we're afraid of of screwing the whole thing up. And so either we do nothing and we just ignore it and go, well, I don't want to mess this up or I don't know what to do. Or we bring them to people who can do it for us and allow them to do it. Now, and including, maybe even in our case, of bringing people that we know or care about to Wednesday night to Reckless. Now, I want to be clear about this, all right, because I don't, I don't want to, there to be any misunderstanding. We want lost, hurting, broken students showing up here every single week. The last thing that I want is for this to become kind of a Christian huddle where it's just a bunch of believers who are sitting around talking about religious stuff. I mean, I love the fact and we, we, we really strongly desire to have a room like this where there are broken, hurting people who don't have a relationship with Jesus in the room, who are still trying to figure this thing out. What does it look like to trust Jesus? Or maybe I don't even believe in it, or I'm, I'm trying to understand a little bit more. And you guys, and a lot of you tonight are in the room, and I'm grateful for that, and I love that. And we should be that kind of place every single week. In fact, at the beginning of the year, we were talking with our adult volunteers about one of the goals that we had this year is for us to outgrow this room, for us to get to a point where we no longer fit inside this room, and it becomes something where we just can't operate anymore because we've outgrown this room. And for that kind of thing to happen where we're starting to ask those questions, and go, all right, well, that means if we can't fit in here, then we're going to have to go to another room in the church. And middle school's not going anywhere downstairs, so therefore we're going to have to find another night of the week to meet so that we've got the, the ability to meet in a place that's big enough for us. 
I mean, I love thinking through, and especially if that was something that we encountered this year, that we outgrew this room, and that's a goal that we have. And in order for that to happen, in part, it's going to take place because you guys are inviting your friends who are far from God and don't have a relationship with Jesus. But the danger is that it becomes one of those things where you maybe don't know how to share your faith, and so you become too dependent on us. You don't know how to articulate the gospel, or you don't really know how to explain what it means to have a relationship with God, and so therefore you bring them to us so that we can bail you out and you not have to do it yourself. And so maybe some of you think, well, I don't really know what to do or what to say, so I'll just bring them on Wednesday night and they can do it for me. And the danger in that is that you guys go every single day not really understanding how to share the gospel, how to share what God has done in your own heart and the transformation that's taken place, and to be able to share that with other people and watch as God uses you to lead some of your lost friends to faith in Jesus. And that's what we want to avoid. We want to make sure that we're a place that, yeah, we have lost students that come in every single week, and maybe you bring them, and that's part of the process, but that you know how to follow up with them and go, hey, what'd you think about last, last night? And you're able to continue to pour into them and to continue to minister to them and help them discover the life that God has for them. But that you not become so dependent on us that we're doing everything for you. And we're a, a room full of people that never really understand how to share the message of the, hope, of, of the gospel. So that's what we want to be able to avoid. If we don't know how to share the gospel, we will screw this thing up. Now, I want to give you a couple of examples of what this might potentially look like. All right? And, um, and maybe this is more true of what we've seen in our culture or in our society over the last few years of before we can kind of get to what does it look like, how do we actually share our faith, we got to kind of talk about what we don't do, all right, the ways that we shouldn't go about doing this. So I've got a couple pictures I want to throw up here that, um, that maybe you can kind of identify or maybe we laugh and go, hey, I would never be stupid enough to do that. But maybe some of us in the room, we th- when we think about sharing our faith, maybe we think that we've got to create this banner or this sign and, um, and we... We, um, we're going to create this big, huge sign, and we're going we're to walk down the halls of our school or stand outside as, as people are getting dropped off um, or, or getting off the bus, and we're standing there. And so we, we think we've got to create this sign, and of course, we've got to get people's attention. So we've got to put words like hell on there and draw some like, really cool fire on it. Um, or we come up with like, these really strong words like repent or blasphemy or you know, these really churchy words like immorality or debauchery or, you know, these things that we, we don't even know what they mean, but they sound really serious and really cool, so we throw them on a sign because we want to communicate to people that this is a serious situation, all right? Hell is real, flames are real, debauchery is real, um, even that man's beard is real, and, um, and if you don't repent, you're going to spend forever in a place that you don't want to go to, okay? So maybe we do that, hopefully not. Maybe for some of us maybe, uh, that have our license and mom and dad have uh, spoiled us, I mean blessed us with a car, and i um, just kidding. Uh, so what we do is we, we deck out our car, or in this case our van. <laughs> and um, so we go digging through the Christmas decorations and we get the garland from the tree and we, uh, we spell Jesus out because that looks amazing. 
And we, we think, you know what, if I can make my car look as ridiculous as possible, which is exactly what this person has done, then when I drive onto my school campus or when I'm driving down the road, I will be able to communicate very boldly to people what I believe. And this person apparently thought the more Jesus, the more times they can put Jesus on their van, the better it's going to be, um, which probably just makes us laugh at them like we're doing right now. Um, so maybe you do that. Maybe it's not so much what you drive. Maybe it's what you wear. So you go to the nearest Christian bookstore and you rob all of the really cool Christian t-shirts and we start ripping off, ripping off all of these things in our culture. We take something cool like Reese's, which is a cool candy bar, and we make it into Jesus. How, <laughs> how creative is that? Or instead of YouTube, it's you, God wants you to be saved. Or Air Jesus instead of Air Jordan. Or Superman, because superheroes are big, a big deal. So now it's Superman, the super savior that we've created. Um, and just as a, as a side note, please don't do this. All right? I think, I assume this goes for everything that we've just showed. Um, but please don't, uh, please don't do this. I know they used to be cool. Actually, no, they didn't. Um, but maybe that's what we do, okay? So... There are, and, and maybe there's not necessarily those things. Those are ridiculous. Most of us laugh, and it's, we would never think of doing stuff like that. But maybe there's other things we do. Maybe it's not necessarily what we wear or what we drive, but maybe it's the tone with which we try to communicate the gospel, particularly when it comes to people who don't know Jesus. And so the way we come across to them or the things that we say to them, um, you know, rather than communicating the gospel and, and the way Jesus wants it, it communicates something different. So the point is, we can mess this thing up if we don't know the right ways to do it. And I could spend, in all honesty, I look at some of these things, and I, I feel, I have felt at times like some of these people, all right? Now, I never decked out my van like that ridiculousness, but there are, there are times where, especially when I was younger, middle school, high school, I had the passion for God. I felt like God had burdened my heart for people on my school campus or other people that I knew, and then I felt like it was that God had called me to reach those people. And I felt that, and I was passionate about it, and I desired to do it. But the thing that I lacked was the, the how-to. And so I could stand up here and tell you story after story of stupid things that I said or did that probably in a lot of cases drove people further away from the gospel than they did actually draw them in. I mean, I could tell you the story of... Um, you know, a kid when I was younger that I grabbed off his bike while we were riding bikes and, you know, kind of tossed him down on the curb and said, you're not going to ride bikes anymore until you pray to receive Jesus. <laughs> and then after he was done, then I let him ride his bike again. <laughs> or, um, or some of you guys have, have heard this. I had a, um, a Muslim friend that uh, sat in front of me in a couple classes. And I thought, you know what, this is, here's this Muslim friend. He doesn't know Jesus. And so I took a, wrote a page-long note about who Jesus was and how Allah, you know, was not God and how he needed to turn from Allah and turn to Jesus, you know, love Todd. And then, you know, handed it to him in the middle of class and was like, hey, you're going to love this. And watched as he, to my surprise, ripped it in half and laughed and threw it on the floor. Um, or I could tell you a story about, you know, my brother-in-law before uh, my sister and him were married and how, you know, it came across wrong and it wasn't what I was trying to communicate, but basically said to him, hey, you're awesome, and I love the fact that you're, you're going to marry my sister, but I won't really accept you until you accept Jesus. 
So there are those moments where I look back and go, you know what? It's not so much that I didn't have the passion or the desire to share my faith. It was the fact that I didn't know what to do in those situations that ultimately drove people further away from the gospel. And maybe some of us are like that. So what we want to do over the next few minutes, more than anything else, we want you guys to feel empowered. We want you guys to know that it's not, again, it's not about you necessarily bringing them to us, but to know that God is calling you to reach the people that you know who are far from God. And God, not only is he calling you, but will and is equipping you to do what you need to do and what he's called you to do. And we want you guys to feel empowered to go, you know what, this is, I'm, I'm part of this thing. God is on the move and he is using me to make it happen. He wants to use me to reach those people that I know that are far from God and don't have a relationship with him. So we want you, as we spend the next few minutes talking about this, we want you, this to empower you. Do you guys feel like you've got a strategy in your hands to know what to do and how to reach those people that God has laid on your heart? So what we're going to do over the next few minutes, if you've got your notes, we've, um, we're going to kind of go through this acronym. And we've called it the BLESS strategy. And, um, and this isn't something that I've made up. This is something that we as a church, really over the last year, have adopted as it comes to trying to live um, in such a way that reaches those people who are far from God. All right, and it's, it's one, of those e- one of those things that I think is easy, it's practical, but I think it will, it will really help us and push us in the right direction when it comes to, to ministering to those people that God has placed on our heart. So if you guys want to take notes, I would encourage you to do so because this is something we're going to talk about all year long. The first one is B, and it's this, begin with prayer. Now, some of us might look at that and go, all right, that's how we're starting this thing. Like, all right, what's the next one? I got that. And especially if we've grown up in the church, we look at prayer and we go, all right, cool, that's, that's fine. Just what's the next thing? Because I got that. Um, and we sort of dismiss that. And here's, here's why this is such a big deal. This cannot be one of those things that we just, part of the process that we kind of gloss over. This is the key to everything, to to, to the entire process, everything we're gonna be talking about, it begins with prayer. It's about prayer. And before we can be able to reach those people that are in our schools, we've gotta take a step back and begin to pray and ask God for the wisdom and to, to put those people on our heart that he is calling us to reach. And in some cases, it might be people that we have completely neglected, we've forgotten about or we've lost sight of, or maybe we've been very hesitant to go and try to reach them. And for us to start in a place of prayer and go, God, who is it that you want me to reach? God, who are those people on my campus? Who are those people maybe you know, next door or in my life that I know that you, want to, that you are calling me to have an influence in, that you are calling me to love, that you are calling me to, to help them understand your love for them? See, sometimes we make prayer an afterthought, or we sort of you know, kind of pass it off, and this is the key. And if we don't do this, if we don't start seeking the heart of God and going, God, would you lay those people on my heart? And not only that, would you, would you provide opportunities? I pray that you would give me chances and situations for me not only to know who you're calling me to reach, but for me to have the opportunities to do that. And what that does, and like we sang about earlier, about Lord, I need you, 
every hour I need you, is it places the perspective where it, where it needs to be. Of not going, hey, I got this. This is going to be awesome. Watch as I do this. But for us to take a step back and start this process and go, God, I will screw this up if you don't help me. God, I feel inadequate. God, I feel like I'm in over my head. God, I feel like I can't do this by myself. And we take a step back and we go, God, I need your strength. I need your wisdom. God, would you place those people on my heart and would you give me everything I need to do what I know you want me to do? It begins with prayer. I love the the quote that Oswald Chambers says. He says, prayer is not preparation for the work. Prayer is the work. We've gotta make sure that we're not quick to dismiss it, but understand that prayer is a vital part of it. The second one, the L, is that we listen for God's direction. We learn to listen. Now, a lot of us, and I'm not calling anybody out, we're good at listen or good at talking, but we suck at listening. All right? And maybe even when it comes to prayer, like, you know, we're good at like praying all these prayers and asking God for things, and you know, we spend time praying, and then we kind of get up and we go about our day and we forget about all those things that we've just prayed about. And for us, it's, a, it's an important thing not just to begin with prayer, but then that next step is to be able to listen and to say, God, would you make me aware of those things that I've just prayed about? I think sometimes a lot of us, we miss God at work all around us because we're not listening. For some of us, we've just got too much going on. There's too much noise in our life. And it's not that any of, the, any of those things are bad, but it prevents us from being able to hear the voice of God. And we get so focused on what we want to do and the things that we've got accomplished and the things that, the responsibilities that we have. And we neglect the voice of God. And God is speaking to us all the time going, hey, I want you to minister to that person. Or hey, would you say this to that person? Or hey, would you reach out and love that person? Or hey, I've burdened your heart for that person right there. And we blow past all of it because we're simply not listening. So we've got to learn to listen and go, God, would you put those people on my heart? And as I walk about my daily routine, as I'm going about my business, God, would you make me aware of those situations and those opportunities? God, help me not to blow past all those people. Help me to be aware of every situation and every opportunity to reach those people that you've laid on my heart. Now, Luke 18 Jesus sets a great example for this. And I want to just for, just for a quick second look at this passage. Luke 18, starting at verse 35, there's a great story that, that is told about what Jesus does and, and how key it is to listen. Verse 35, he says this. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. And when he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. And the people told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, the people in front yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and he ordered that the man be brought to him. And as the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. See, here's a a situation where there is a a buzz going around Jesus. 
And he's walking down the road, and there's all of this noise and all of this craziness going on. And this blind beggar hears it and starts calling out when he realizes that it's Jesus, starts screaming for Jesus to show him mercy. And what I love about this is in the midst of people telling him to shut up and stop annoying Jesus. Hey, Jesus doesn't have time for blind beggars. Jesus is a big deal. Jesus is popular, and he doesn't have time for you. But he continues to shout and continues to shout. And Jesus, in the midst of all of the noise and the craziness, heard him. And he stopped and he provided for the man what he needed. And I wonder for for us in the room, how many times we blow past people who are crying out for mercy. And maybe we're the people that are trying to shut them up, or maybe because we're so busy and so focused on all the other stuff that we've got to do, and we haven't taken the time to listen, we don't hear the people that God is laying on our heart and that are calling out for us to minister to. And listening is such a huge deal, such a big part of this process. We've got to learn to listen. The third thing is that we learn to eat. All right, now that might seem a little bit random, a little bit strange. Some of you guys are like, sweet, that's, that's cool. I love this part. Um, why is this part of a strategy to reach people? In Jesus' day, all right, he was always, we talked a little bit about last week, Jesus was always eating with people, all right? That's what you have to do. Um, but not only was he eating with people, he was eating a lot of times with those broken, hurting people who didn't, in a lot of cases, didn't believe that he was the son of God who had those burdens, who were far from him, and those were the people that he was going after. And Jesus made it a point to eat. And for us, in our culture, eating's a big deal, right? How many of you guys love to eat? Yes. We love eating, all right? Eating is a big deal. And here's, here's why this is such a big deal for us. The people that we eat with communicates value. All right, listen, let me say that again. The people that we eat with communicates who we value. Now, if you don't believe that that's true, look at your school cafeteria. All right? You guys, in a lot of cases, and I don't think, um, for the most part, you guys can sit wherever you want. All right? You don't have, like, assigned seats or anything weird. You're not in elementary school. Um, So in high school, you can come in a cafeteria. You can eat with whoever you want to. All right, and you guys, and I was the same way when I was in high school, I ate with the people that were my friends, if I had any, just kidding, I'm just kidding. I would eat with the people that I valued, those people that I had a relationship with, all right? I wouldn't go to the table that I didn't know anybody at, all right? I wouldn't spend much time at the table with, full of people that I didn't have a relationship with, didn't know very well, or maybe didn't have much in common with. I immediately, and we do this in any crowd, we immediately start looking for the people that we know. And when it comes to eating, and eating at a school cafeteria, we eat with the people that we value. See, the people that we eat with communicates who we value. And why this is such a big deal is not only because eating is a part of our culture, we gotta do it to live, we all love to eat, but also because that communicates value to them. And so maybe for for a lot of you guys in the room, maybe the the people that God is laying on your heart, maybe that first step for you in terms of the people that you're ministering to 
is to not go and sit by the same people every single day that you normally sit with. Maybe when you get to this step in the process, maybe you start going, looking around the cafeteria or looking wherever you eat, and you start looking for those people that maybe you don't know. Maybe you start looking for those people that, that don't have a relationship with Jesus, and God uses that to burden your heart for those individuals. But why this is such a big deal is because for you and I, when we get to this process, we've prayed and we've asked God to give us wisdom about those people that he's, that he's put on our heart. We're listening. We're looking for opportunities. We're, we're allowing God to, to speak through us and to show us what he wants us to do. And when we've been able to identify those people, when God has revealed those people that he wants us to bless, or when we're looking for those situations, then we go and we look for an opportunity to meet, to meet with them and to eat with them. Now, for, just to, uh, to kind of set your mind at ease, Starbucks counts, all right? A little asterisk beside that. All right, if you love coffee, Starbucks counts. So maybe what you do in terms of trying to build a relationship with that individual that God's laid on your heart is that you invite them to an opportunity to eat together, all right? Maybe, maybe you've got a situation where your family still eats together in the evenings. I know that's rare nowadays, but maybe that's one of those things. And so you invite them over to eat. Maybe after school you say, hey, let's go grab a bite to eat in the nearest fast food place and let's go hang out. Or maybe you invite them to, to Starbucks and you use that as an opportunity not to start talking about Jesus and why they need to turn and repent, but to use that as an opportunity to start building a relationship with that person. To use that time that you've got to be able to start asking them questions. Hey, tell me about your life. Hey, tell me about your situation. And you start asking questions to understand more about who they are. It's amazing how much we understand and get to know about people when we just ask them questions. And sometimes we're so quick to tell them what we know or what we know to be true instead of just asking them questions to try to figure out how they got to the place that they're at. And what ends up happening a lot of times is as we build a relationship with them, as we ask them questions, we start to understand stuff about their life. We start to understand what their family situation is. We start to understand some of the issues or some of the problems that they're dealing with. We start to discover some of the things that that God reveals to us about where they're at. And what ends up happening is we start to see needs and opportunities in their life. So it's important for us, that next step, for us to eat together. Which leads to to the fourth step is that S, which then we look for opportunities to serve them. See, when we sit down and we start building a relationship with that person and those needs start to become undiscovered and God starts revealing those situations or those opportunities to us, all of a sudden what we begin to do is start to see some needs and some situations where we have a chance to jump in and to meet those needs. We may start to understand more about their family situation. And we start to see, you know what, there's a need or an opportunity for me to jump into their life and for me to meet a very practical need for them. Maybe there's a situation for me or maybe for my small group to jump in and to start getting to know them and start to meet a physical or a practical or a spiritual need in their life. A couple years ago, I was, um, Angie and I were dating and there was this family that um, they had two, 
um, two boys, and they were, I mean, really just kind of, they didn't have a lot of friends, they, they were a little, bit, a little bit tough to talk to, and you know, a, a lot of students that I knew kind of shunned them and pushed them out because they were just awkward and different. And, um, and so I just, I, I felt bad for them. And um, so we started talking to them, and over the course of some, several conversations with them and trying to get to know them a little bit, I, I discovered that they, their dad was on disability, and he basically spent every day in a bed. And their mom had um, like Tourette's and beginning stages of MS and, you know, just all of these other health, health issues. And she basically was their full-time transportation because their dad was in a bed all the time. And they were collecting disability and they ba- barely had enough money to be able to put food on the table every single week. And I remember Angie and I just kind of looking at each other one night going, we just, we got to do something for this family. And so we went to Walmart and we bought some clothes for the mom and like some clothes for the, for the two kids and we bought some food for them and then we figured out where they lived and then we drove out to the middle of nowhere and found the, the trailer that they lived at and we didn't go up and knock on the door and say, hey, we've got some gifts for you. What we did is we just sat them on the, on the front steps and then just drove off and, um, and didn't want them to know necessarily that we had done that. And so I remember that what made it the... What I enjoyed the most about that is watching like a couple days later when I saw them, them walking in with the, the shirts and the clothes that we had bought them, and them just grinning ear to ear and going, you won't believe this, these you know, people showed up and we didn't know who they were and we opened our door and there was all this stuff for us. And I mean, you would have thought that it was Christmas morning for this family. And what it revealed to me was that God, as we begin to build relationships with people, God reveals needs and opportunities for us to minister to people and to bless people. God gives us opportunities for us to serve other people. And Jesus challenges us by this. In, uh, in Matthew chapter 20, Jesus is talking and he says, Jesus called the disciples together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lowered it over their people. And officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. For even the Son of Man, Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. And if you and I claim to love Jesus, then we've got to start looking for ways to serve other people. We can't just be so filled with selfishness or looking to meet our needs, but we've got to be able to look for, for opportunities to meet the needs of other people. And that's what God is calling us to do. And when we do that, it leads to the final step in this, in this strategy, and that's the final S. We get an opportunity to share our story. Whether you guys want to admit it or not, now listen to me, don't check out, all right? Every single one of us in here has a story. If we have trusted Christ as our Savior, you and I have a story. You and I have a a story that has to be shared. Sometimes we glorify certain stories over others and we look and go, well, you know, I, I don't really have that crazy story where... I was laying in a ditch or I was you know, strung out on drugs and God changed me. But listen, for all of us, if God has grabbed a hold of our heart, we have a story. God is transforming us and making us into a new creation. 
God is making us into something that we've never been before. And you and I have a powerful, a powerful story that must be shared. We can't be ashamed of it. We can't hide it. We can't just block it out. We've got to embrace the story and go, this is an opportunity for me as I've built a relationship with this person, as I've served this person, the opportunity now comes for me to tell them what God has done in my life. Let me tell you how God has grabbed a hold of my heart. Let me tell you who I used to be. Let me tell you about the things that I was before Jesus entered into my life and now what God has done in my life. And all of us are that way. No matter how crazy our story or how impressive it may seem, it is powerful. And the main reason why it's powerful is because our story is God's story. Our story is a part of the bigger story of God's redemption and God's heart and God's desire for every person to come to faith in Jesus. I believe that the greatest evidence that God exists is a changed life. And for those of us in the room that God has grabbed a hold of, that God has changed, that God has set free because of the cross, that is an incredible display, not only of God's love, but just that he exists in the first place. And we've got to learn to be able to share that story and go, look, I just want to be able to, to share with you what God has done in my life. Now, this, is, this strategy, begin with prayer, listen, we eat with them, we, sh- we serve them, and then we share our story. This, we're making this such an important part of this year that we are making this a priority in our small groups every single week. All right, this is gonna be something that over the course of the year, all year long, that we're gonna be talking about, that your small group leaders are gonna be bringing up in your groups and going, hey, who are you blessing? Where are you in terms of blessing other people? Maybe you're in the beginning stage and you're just praying. You're praying and you're seeking God and maybe that takes six months. We're not putting any time frame on and go, hey, by the end of the year, you've gotta be here. We're just, we're adopting this strategy and going, hey, we just need to spend time walking through and as God leads us, as God puts those people on our heart, then we're ready to take that next step. That we're beginning with prayer, that we're learning to listen and as God lays those people on our heart, then as we gather together on Wednesday night in our groups to be able to say, all right, man, here's, here's who God's laid on my heart. And it's an opportunity for you guys to say, look, I don't know what the heck to do. Like God has laid this person on my heart, here's the situation and I have no idea what to do next. And for you guys as a group and for your small group leaders to be there to say, all right, let's talk about that. And here's some things that you can do or here's some things that you can say to them. Or just to be able to pray together and to keep you accountable and go, hey, let me just encourage you this week as you go about your your week and you go about your routine that you be focused on those people that God is calling you to reach. And if you and I wanna be a part of this movement then it's gonna take us jumping in and saying, look, I'm committing to looking for those situations and those people that God is calling me to bless. Here's the main point for us tonight. A movement of God involves people who intentionally seek to bless those who are far from him. Man, you guys, God is on the move. Do you guys believe that? 
Do you believe that? Do you believe that? We so- okay, we sort of do. Took some prompting. Man, God is on the move, you guys, and, and God is calling you and I to be a part of it. And we have two options. Either we get left behind and we miss out, or we jump on board and we go, man, I've got to be a part of what God is doing. And we say, if I've got to be a part of this, then God, I'm going to pursue you like never before. God, I'm going, to, I'm going to support people and encourage people and build community. And God, I pray that you would burden my heart for those people that you are calling me to reach. And give me the opportunity to bless them and to help them understand through that, through that process of getting to know them and serving them and sharing my story of what you've done in me to be able to watch as God uses all of us to make an incredible impact in other people. And God is on the move and he invites all of us to be a part of it. And I don't know about you guys, but I do not want to miss out on that. I don't want to look back and go, man, I could have been a part of something incredible and yet I was too selfish or too focused on other things or I just didn't pay attention and and listen to what God had called me to do and I missed it. Man, we may not miss it. God is on the move and he's calling you and I to be a part of it. Let's pray.